Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Off the Beat with Brett Jensen is presented by Felix Savatis Mercedes-Benz of South Charlotte, Charlotte's premier Mercedes-Benz dealer and the Carolina's number one volume sales leader. Over 300 new and 200 pre-owned vehicles always available. Visit mbcharlotte.com. Hey everybody, Brett Jensen here, and this is the very, very first ever podcast that I've been doing, and the name of this podcast is called Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. And the reason it's called Off the Beat is because I'm going to tell you some things that happen behind the scenes on my daily beat life as a reporter. You've heard of beat reporters, well, and on the beat, and he's a beat writer, he's a beat reporter, and I've always been a beat reporter in terms of sports, but now I'm doing news, and it's a whole new adventure and a whole new life, and it's something that I'm really looking forward to doing and getting into and actually telling you stories about it. For instance, my first two days on the job, they sent me to deal with Hurricane Florence. And that was down in Wilmington. And everyone knows about the, all the massive destruction that it caused. And it wasn't because of the wind, unlike what happened with Hurricane Michael down in Florida. This was all because of the flooding. And it was just a perfectly timed, if you want to use that word perfectly, but it was a perfectly timed storm where two other pressures were holding it hostage, basically, over Wilmington and over eastern, north, and south Carolina. And it couldn't move, and that's why it was only moving at two miles an hour. So anyways, but it was the very first hurricane that I've ever had to deal with, and they sent me down there to cover it and to get some stories and see what's going on with the flooding. Because if you remember, that storm was all supposed to come straight to Charlotte and supposed to give the Charlotte and the western Piedmont somewhere around anywhere from 6 to 10 inches of rain, depending on where you lived. And so I was there as the storm came in, doing all kinds of national shows, you know, radio in St. Louis and Detroit, Minneapolis and New Orleans and L.A. and New York, as everyone wanted to know what was going on with this hurricane. Well, being a newbie to hurricanes, it uh, a lot of things caught me off guard that I did not anticipate. You think that you can prepare for a hurricane, but you really can't if you've never done it before. Because things just don't enter your brain like, oh, okay, well, yeah, if the power goes out, like, yeah, what you expect the power to go out, which is why I took a ton of food that I could eat that didn't require it to be kept cold. I took peanut butter, and I took bread, and I took crackers, because everyone likes peanut butter crackers. I took some bananas, and I wanted to do an old-fashioned Elvis Presley sandwich, peanut butter and bananas sandwich. But... It was the close situation, which was the issue. Hurricanes offer 100% humidity. And when the air is full of liquid at 100%, things can't evaporate, which means the water's not going anywhere, which means when you're wading around in three feet worth of water and four feet worth of water, your clothes will never dry out. And I think I took four pair of socks. And by day two, all four were just soaking wet, and none of them dried. And I walked around with wet socks and wet boxers and wet pants and wet shirts and wet hats for five straight days. 
because there was nowhere for them to dry out because you didn't have power, so you couldn't like use the blow dryer. If you hung them over the shower curtain, the humidity in the air was so thick that they just stayed wet. And if I even made the mistake, because I'm a genius, of leaving my suitcase open one day, one night, while I was trying to sleep, and again, you're talking 85, 84 degrees, it's stupid, humid, and sticky, try sleeping in that. But So I left the window open just a little bit to try and circulate some air. Well, I let all the humidity in, and my suitcase was open, and I woke up the next day, and all my clothes in my suitcase were wet. They weren't drenched, but they were all damp. Like if you had a washcloth and you wring it out after a shower and it's just still damp, that's what all my clothes felt like for five days. And it was just awful. And then, of course, you can't go buy new clothes or new socks at Dollar General or Walmart or anywhere else because all the stores are closed because of the hurricane because nobody has power. And then the other thing you don't anticipate is a veteran reporter asked me if I had filled up my bathtub with water. And I looked at him completely dumbfounded and like, why in God's name would I do that? And I initially thought, well, because, you know, plumbing can go out and you always hear the thing that sometimes you've got to boil your water because the systems go bad and the, the, it all gets flooded and overtaken with, you know, raw water, rainwater. So you can't use it. You've got to boil it before you use it. So I was thinking of like water to drink. Like I don't need to drink water in that. I mean, I've got enough. I'll, I'll, I'll do something else, but I don't need to drink water out of the bathtub. And he said, no, it's not for that. He said, he looked at me any real sarcastic attitude. And he says, well, are you planning on using the bathroom at all while you're here? And I'm like, what? And he said, are you planning on using the bathroom? I said, well, no, I'm not going to use the bathroom for five days. What are you talking about? And he said, well, if the water goes bad and the plumbing goes out, you won't be able to flush the toilet. So you have the water in the bathtub. You can take it out and pour it into the back of the toilet in case the power goes out and the plumbing goes out. So you always have water in the back of the toilet so you can always use the bathroom if you've got to use it. And I actually thought that was pretty ingenious. And when I knew the hurricane was supposed to be coming to Charlotte, I actually told a couple of my friends, Make sure you put water in the bathtub just so you can use the bathroom in case the water goes out. So it's not the electricity that you've got to worry about with the plumbing. It's the flooding that overtakes all the water treatment plants. When the water gets into that and all that starts flooding, you can't start using that water. And that's why they'll tell you to boil the water before you drink it or use it. And so I actually, again, they were expecting, what, six to ten inches of rain in Charlotte? You're talking severe, severe, massive flooding. All the creeks are going to overrun. A lot of the lakes, a lot of the streams, a lot of the trees were going to fall down. It was going to be complete chaos. Think about what happened in Charlotte with basically no rain from Hurricane Michael and winds that were like 30 miles an hour. Over 90 trees fell in Charlotte. Now think about 10 inches of rain and all those massive trees with 15-mile-an-hour winds, 20-mile-an-hour winds, we could have had here in Charlotte up to 150, 200, 300 massive trees that fell. I was without power for two straight days. It was 50 hours I was without power. Almost exactly 50 hours I was without power with Hurricane Michael with a little bit of wind because of the downed trees. Had that rain come up to Charlotte from Hurricane Florence, you're talking a week, 
maybe up to 10 days, just like Hurricane Hugo back in the 80s, for all those who were here and those of you who weren't here at that particular time. So anyway, I told all my friends, hey, make sure you put water in your bathtub just in case all the flooding happens and you can't flush your toilets. And they all did. And then afterwards, when like no rain came through Charlotte, they all like ripped me sideways for telling them that. But just little tiny stories like that, a little bit of information or things that we're going to be continuing to talk about throughout this podcast. And I hope you find it interesting. Another thing I'm going to be doing is talking to interesting people about interesting stories from all walks of life, whether they're a carpenter or they're a CEO of a bank, an athlete or whatever. I want to find interesting stories about interesting people. And that's actually coming up next with Mark Garrison. Mark Garrison works here at WBT. And we were talking the other day how it, on average right now, it costs $284,000 to raise a child from the time they're born until they're 17. That doesn't even include college. That's just to 17 per child. Mark had six. I can't even imagine having six. And I want to talk to him as a middle-class guy. What was it like raising six kids? Like, where did the money come from? How did you handle it? Even though he had a good job, that's six kids. So we're going to talk to Mark about that coming up next and just – Life as a parent, I mean, he was a real-life Brady Bunch father. So we're going to talk to him about that and see what that was like. So make sure you stick with us. Coming up next, Mark Garrison. I told you every single week I want to talk to interesting people about interesting things. And we bring in from the WBT newsroom, Mark Garrison, because we were actually talking about children the other day, and I don't have any children. I've never been married. I've been engaged, but... I don't have any children. And I saw a story where the cost of children is through the roof. Right now, on average, from the moment they're born, so this is post-medical costs. This is according to the Department of Agriculture. From the moment they're born until they're 17, and why they stop at 17, I don't know. But from the moment they're born to the age 17, the average cost for 2018 to raise a child is $284,570. And that doesn't even include college. For 2018, the average cost for one year for an in-state public school is $21,000. The average cost for a public out-of-state school is $36,000. And the average cost per year for a private school is $47,000 per year. So we add all that up, and then I looked at the percentage to take care of a child. The average cost per year for, uh, for child care is $37,000 a year. Parents are spending between 9 and 22% of their annual income for child care. And you hear these places that are $20,000 a year for daycare and you know $1,500 a month and everything else. So we bring in Mark. And the reason I bring in Mark is because Mark is in a unique situation. The father of six children. And the wife, his wife, did not work. And I just found that extremely interesting, Mark. Well, yeah, that's that's a very great point. Okay, I should say from an income standpoint, from an income standpoint, I should say that. Uh, yes, I she, I guarantee you she worked harder than you. I know what business you're in. I She worked a lot harder than you. Uh, all right, so, but 
Was there a point, Mark, I'm curious, you know, you're a newlywed, you're talking about having a family, you know, and everything else. And I assume this is probably in the 70s when all this is going on. And you go, okay, did you ever talk about with your wife how many children you actually wanted to have? She had nine brothers and sisters. And I and they lived in this farmhouse on an apple orchard in Ohio. And you know, her parents struggled their entire life. And I remember the first time I ever went up there and met the whole family, it was like, this is like a daycare center because all the kids were running around and they were all very young then uh, because she was the second oldest. And uh, But no, we never did really say, okay, let's have two, let's have three. We just kind of decided, you know, we'll just see what happens. Well, with that being said, okay, so now you've got child number four. Yeah. Was there ever a discussion Okay, we've got four children. That's enough, or like that was just never part of the conversation. It was just basically whatever happens, happens. Pretty much, yeah. It never really was. I mean, we love the kids, and yeah, of uh, course. And it was, and she had several miscarriages along the way, and we never did really say. I, <laughs> you'll love this one church we were going to at the time. I think when we had four, there was this elderly fellow there who was a doctor at the time and he came up to me and he said you know mark for father's day i'd be happy to give you a free vasectomy (laughs) i said well thanks doc but i think i'll pass on that how generous of you right but he was serious by the way he was just that kind of guy that's great well i mean so so now we fast forward so now just out of curiosity what is the age difference between the oldest and the youngest of the six kids? Uh, my oldest, uh, yeah, my oldest just turned forty this week, which lets you know I'm old. And uh, and my youngest is twenty seven, and he gets married in January. Okay, so six kids in thirteen years, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so now you've got. Wow, a- you're good at math. Yeah, well, you know. What are you doing as a radio? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I don't know wow. how the hell that happened. It was really good. Uh, but okay, so this leads me to these questions. Okay. All right, so 13 and one years old. 13 or in a newborn, I should say. Yeah. So all six are in the house. Oh, yeah. All six are currently growing. You've got diaper needs, which we know is extremely expensive. And we homeschooled. And, oh, bunch. okay. Yeah. 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 So you've got diaper needs with the youngest. You've got a 13-year-old who's going through puberty and eating you out of house and home. So, <laughs> And you were the sole income provider. How strapped were things at times? You know, amazingly, uh, God was very good to us. I I was in television news when uh, a number of the kids were born and then felt like it was time to do something else. And I just left television news and started a business. I started a video production company. And I think being self-employed was great because I actually worked out of the home um, and business turned out to be very good. And I made more money doing that than I ever did in broadcasting. People think, People think oh. guys like you and I make all this money, and we're like, are you kidding? They have no they idea. They have no idea no clue. how badly it pays. No clue. But um, so, you know, we just did pretty well. It's, it's an interesting thing because now in my older years, I'm on a budget. When the kids were growing up, we weren't on a budget. But it just, you know, we just always were provided for, and, 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 uh, and the Lord was very good to us. And, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned all these staggering numbers about what it costs to raise a kid. I think my wife said to somebody uh, who was thinking about having a child once and was looking at numbers like that, and she just said, look, if you wait till you can afford one, you'll never have one. 
and that's the truth. I mean, that's you kind of just have saying it really is because if you look at the numbers, it'll scare you to death. But those are numbers over a period of time, and you know somehow it just all works. Talking with Mark Garrison here in the WBT newsroom here on the inaugural. The inaugural podcast. You mean I'm on the first you podcast? You are on the very first podcast ever of Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. And I so take it there's no fee connected with being on <laughs> No. Okay, okay. I just wondering. No, again, we, we've already discussed about the poor properties <laughs> know, right. of being a just broadcaster. Thought I would, just thought I would check. You know, uh, producer Heather couple, over here was like, no, there's, some, there's no money over here. Yeah, I think there's some peanut butter crackers outside <laughs> if you want those. Uh, okay, so now let's fast forward to when they're older. How did the college and marriage, do you have daughters? Do you have any one daughter? daughter five, it was five boys and one girl. So you got a little bit lucky because yeah. you didn't have to provide for five weddings that, as opposed oh, to only that, one wedding. That's great because my youngest son is getting married in January, and my wife and I are like, yeah, we only have to do the rehearsal dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So how did the college and the wedding and all that come along and play out? Okay, next month I will make my last college loan payment for my middle son because we took that over for him after he got married as kind of a, a, a gift for him. Uh, but, you know, what's very interesting is my two youngest sons, who now work with uh, big banks and a couple of other companies and make so m- ever so much more money than Daddy has ever sniffed, uh, they ended up dropping out of college because they were such good computer programmers, and they got wow. snapped up just like that. It's mind-boggling. But uh, college was kind of a pay-as-you-go sort of thing, and then we did have one college, one student loan, which I have let drag on for years. Right. I have one more $200 payment, <laughs> and then we'll be free. Do I get to call Dave Ramsey and go, free at last? <laughs> Debt-free. That's it, baby. <laughs> Debt-free. That's outstanding. That is outstanding. Well, I'm just... I just, uh, but you asked me if if you were to ask me, do I regret it? No, I no, mean, of course. Oh, they're yeah. just uh, they're wonderful, and the grandchildren grandchildren are great because you don't really have to pay for them. You spoil them and then hand them back. I gotta be honest with you, I'd be a little concerned. I'd probably go to management if you said, "Yeah, I wish I wouldn't have had all these children." <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's that's a little disconcerting if you were to say something like that. Oh, that 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 fourth child, I wish he'd never been born. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but no, I, that's why I just wanted to talk to you because. I like learning and talking about things in all walks of life that I have no experience in. And while well, you I should have, experience having a child. You should experience having a wife. Well, <laughs> that's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> I would not be opposed to that. Listen, I, I, can we can we tell secrets on this podcast? No, please do. So, that's so, what it's all about. So producer Heather's going to love this. So in the newsroom, you know, people's names will come up who are connected with women who are connected with media in this town. And Brett will go, oh, I used to date her. Oh, I used to date her. I, and he'll then get his phone and show us pictures to prove it. So it's like I think he's dated every woman on, on the newscast in town here. <laughs> he's blushing. Look at that. But it's I don't true. Even know what to it's say. true. Well, look, when you are considered Charlotte's most eligible bachelor, <laughs> you know, it's like Charlotte's <laughs> most beloved. Uh, <laughs> self titled uh, That's exactly That's exactly right. So that's well, but I will say this. It's I, I am not opposed to getting married. Yeah. I'm not. And as a matter of fact, um when I moved to Charlotte, yeah, because I grew up here and was gone for several, several years, fifteen, almost fifteen years. And when I moved back when I was when I left ESPN. I thought about moving anywhere in the country. I could have moved anywhere in the country. Yeah. 
to start to start something else because I was I just didn't want to live in hotels anymore and everything else. So when I I chose Charlotte because this is where I grew up, my mom was still here, my grandmother was still here, and I still knew a lot of the people in the media. But when I one of the main reasons I moved to Charlotte, in all sincerity, was to settle down because <laughs> and I and he hasn't yet. No, well, but but you. <laughs> I always considered my career the most important. Yeah, yeah. And plus, when you're traveling 150 days oh, yeah, a that year, it's tough. Yeah, it's 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 almost you know okay. Yeah, I you know I had a, I knew a girl in Seattle, I knew a girl in Miami, you know, and or whatever, and we would, we would go out then. But <laughs> sounds like a Willie Nelson song, right? Right. right girls, exactly. I've loved before. <laughs> That's right. But it was difficult <laughs> maintaining serious relationships, and the reason yeah. I'll never. This is exactly what happened. I was engaged in 2008, got engaged in 2008. All right. And we broke up three months before the wedding. Wow. And Did it was you return a de- the gifts? Well, it was a destination wedding. And Ooh. we were actually going to get married in St. Lucia. So, well, her idea, not mine. But, uh, smart guy to break up with her. Well, no, she did, but she taste. actually broke up. And here's why she broke up with me. Yes. She had a great job, oh. like a ridiculous job. Okay. Um, making way more than I was at ESPN. Yeah. And she said, I was gone 16 straight days. Wow. For college football games, the bowl season. I missed Christmas, I missed New Year's, and I missed her parents' 40th wedding anniversary all in a span of 16 days because I was in a hotel somewhere. And she broke up with you for that? I came back and she said, "I I can't be with someone like this I knew this is what I know. This is what you were doing when we got together. She goes, but if we have a baby, getting back to the baby, thing, yeah, if we have a child. I don't know if you're going to be around the first time they walk, first time they talk, their first dance recital, their first t-ball game, like birthdays. Are you even going to be home? There's no guarantee that you're going to be home. And she has a, like I said, a ridiculous job. And she said, I will essentially have to raise this child by myself. And do you expect me to give up my career? And I, I understood her thinking. The only thing that upset me was this was what I was doing when we met. So it's not like I changed jobs <laughs> in midstream. But so, but no. Sounds so, to me like you're better off without her. But that, that's, that's just what, my No, but that's what, you know what's funny? Everyone said the same thing. Really? Well, I mean, she's going to do this. Better she do this now than five years down the road. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. so, but that was, uh, so no, but when I moved to Charlotte, the hopes was, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll settle down. You know, you're not going to be on the road anymore. You, can, you know. <laughs> The lifestyle is going to be completely changed. So, yeah, that was the hope. And, you know. Well, I just think we should put pictures up from your phone on <laughs> well, the website. You know, hey. Of all the girls he's known before. I, I just, you know, and then this business. And, and you know what's funny? Yes, sir. This business is very incestuous. And meaning that we uh, only stay. Sure we, well, we only hang out with people in our industry. Because- well, you know, a lot of industries are like that. I yes. found when I yes. had when I had my own business and dealt with a lot of other industries. I found, people socialized within where they work because that's where you meet most of the that's people right. you know. That's right. Yeah. And so, right. like a lot of these, you know, female reporters who work night shifts who aren't getting off work until eleven thirty at night, and I was covering a Hornets game until eleven thirty at night. And people would meet up at a particular bar here in Charlotte. It was called Media Night every Wednesday night. Yeah. And media people from TV, newspaper, and radio would all get together every Wednesday night at like 1130 at night because we all worked second shifts, essentially. So that's how you meet them all. And, you know, that's <laughs> so the next thing you know, you're going out for coffee or dinner. Or, you know. That should be another podcast. Women who are willing to settle down with Brett. <laughs> oh. 
I promise you that line would be very short. <laughs> It'd be like a two-minute podcast. Now, I, <laughs> I have to say before – my wife gets all the credit really for raising good kids because I'll tell you, she – that's the that's the I, I tell people that's the finest human the Lord ever gave breath, and she really is. But for her to have stayed home and, and been heavily involved in 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 the homeschooling, I mean, she did it, and uh, wow, I mean, it was pretty remarkable. Okay, I, that that leads me to another question. So you need to find a woman like I, that. That leads me to another question about homeschooling, and I've always had this sure. question. Always had this question. Sure. I did pretty well academically, but I was horrific in science. Yeah. People who are even average academically in all – how are they able to teach subjects that maybe they themselves were not very good at? Oh, that's a great Geometry, question. biology, because I was awful in geometry Well, and here's what we did. We, we did our kids through either the seventh or eighth grade, and then we realized in high school courses we were above our pay grade. Now – in this day and time, the homeschooling is even better because there's when we were doing it, there weren't a lot of online options for courses. Now, you can get killer online courses taught right on the screen by a good teacher and do that at home. But what we did was we went up through the eighth grade and then we enrolled them uh, okay. in, in some private schools and, and, and they were ready to go. And, you know, we had other friends who did it and the curriculums were very good, too. A lot of people don't realize what an industry – the curriculum and textbook business is for homeschoolers. And uh, even when there was a lot of controversy about homeschooling in the early days, the textbook people were smart. They were like, this is going to be a growing industry. And they got busy with curriculums that uh, are curricula, I guess is the right way to say that, that, that moms and dads could teach. Now, we've had some friends who uh, tried to do it all through high school with mixed results. Uh, but we, we kind of knew our limitations. Well, see, yeah. and that's, see, I didn't even know you homeschooled your kids. So that, Cause I've always been fascinated by that. I mean, I've done topics on radios yeah. asking people to call in because it is shown scientific studies have shown that kids who are homeschooled all through high school have social adaptation issues because they're not used to being around having to socialize with so many different well, now, people. Our kids were never isolated because I mean, but but they, they were also ball, but they also they went were through the eighth grade. Though, and also, that's right. But even before that, I mean, right. my goodness, they were in programs at church. And, oh yeah, and my, one of my sons played in a basketball league. So there was plenty of social. No, I no, I get that. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of if from you know from the time they're thirteen until the time they graduate high school, if they're still being homeschooled, all these studies have shown that they have major social issues. Well, you know, but it, you know, but it's easy to socialize them any more now than it, it used to be. I mean, yeah. you can you can work around that. One of the reasons that we – there were several reasons we homeschooled, but when I first came to Charlotte, one of the first investigative stories I did were, was uh, kids smoking dope in the parking lot at Harding – or uh, yeah, it was at Harding. And uh, I never will forget, I mean, we had a hidden camera. We were filming all these kids doing dope. And when we did the story – outstanding. Oh, it was hilarious. It was good stuff. <laughs> But the superintendent of schools got mad at us and wanted to threaten us with trespassing charges because we did the story rather than addressing the problem. And so when we did that, I told my wife, I said, you know what? I'm not putting my kids in CMS. (laughs) (laughs) That's outstanding. And see, this is the perfect way to end it on Off the Beat, behind the scenes. That's what this whole podcast is about. And now I'll start about. getting all this hate mail from CMS. Oh, that's yeah. outstanding. <laughs>
as opposed to, like I said, hey, they couldn't get you for trespassing, especially if you're not on school property and you've got the camera and you're shooting across the street or whatever. Get out of town. Get out of town. That, that's outstanding. Well, Mark, I really do appreciate you being my yeah, very first ever guest. Your first victim. Ever. Ever. I, think I mean, we, all right, so for the next podcast, we need to get some of these uh, <laughs> TV people used to date in here. Well, I will say this. Your career, by the way, has taken a dramatic turn for the worse if you're now doing a podcast with me. so um, yeah. Oh, I was <laughs> glad to do it. Again, thanks, Mark. Yeah, I appreciate man. your time. All right, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the very first ever podcast of Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. And I want to thank Mark Garrison from the WBT Newsroom for stepping in and joining us for that last segment. I thought it was hysterical and wildly entertaining. And again, but also informative. The best kind of stuff is when it's informative and entertaining, and you just want to keep learning more and asking more questions. And that's exactly what Mark did for me, and I hope it did that for you as well. But again, this is what the thing is going to be like. This is what I want this podcast to be like, talking to interesting people about interesting things, as well as providing you behind-the-scenes looks at the way stories are going, things that are happening in life, things that don't always make the broadcast or always make the newspaper or always make the Internet or Twitter. So, again, thanks for joining us on the initial podcast of Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. We look forward to talking to you next week when I can already tell you I've got a very special guest lined up as well. So, again, look forward to talking to you next week. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.